Good morning, friends. Uh, this is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly forecast for the week of July 22nd through the 28th. Uh, welcome to Leo season, everyone. We are um, going to be moving into um, a few planetary ingresses into the sign of Leo, uh, including the Sun and Venus this week. So that's something to look out for. We're going to talk about um, the first decan of Leo today. Um, we're going to talk about the, the meaning of the sun and how that is uh, working uh, with, with Leo and being in its own domicile. We're going to do a little bit of a thing called the uh, Essential Dignities Report today, where we're kind of examining where some of the major players are within uh, either domicile, exaltation, or triplicity, which is something that will give the, the, the planets a little bit of a, a boost or a little bit of a well, I don't know, the wind in the sails if we're talking about triplicity. So that's something we'll take a look at. Um, and then we'll go through just the uh, the aspects of the week. Uh, we've got a couple interesting ones, including Mercury conjoining Venus and Mars making a trine with a retrograde Jupiter. So those are the big uh, non-moon planet aspects this week. But we'll go over the moon the moon placements as well and kind of the uh, the moon phases of the week as well. So let's jump right into it. So one of the things that I want to talk about first before we get right into it is just a little bit of what, what Leo and what the sun are all about and talk about the tarot card that's associated with the first second of Leo. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to show you this card here. I like to do a card every week or so to, you know, kind of give a visual aid for for some of the planetary placements of the important planetary placements. And what we have here is the Five of Wands, which you see a, a group of uh, youths, I guess, uh, kind of vying for position. Um, they, it, they doesn't look like they're necessarily cooperating with one another. They seem to all have a, a bit of a, their own agenda. Um, and this card was called Strife, according to uh, the Book of Toth and Book T. Uh, Austin Kopic in his wonderful book, 36 Faces, calls this the spotlight. So we have this kind of um, this energy of trying to vie for position and of the spotlight when things are moving into Leo 1. Now, what is interesting about that is the, of course, the sun is the host or the steward. Uh, traditionally, we call it the ruler of a sign uh, where the sun is providing resources and significations to be acted upon uh, with whatever, you know, finds itself in that birth channel. Remember, we talked about the planets as being abstractions. This is something we've, I've been kind of absorbing from the Hellenistic system and Project Hindsight and, and you know, things like Robert Schmidt and Demetra George and Chris Brennan, where, excuse me, the... Uh, the, the sign itself is a birth channel for whatever abstractions the planet would represent. So one of the things that we're experiencing here, also I want to back up and say, whatever planet is the host of that sign is going to be offering up significations to be acted upon um, by whatever planet is moving within that sign. So you think of the sign itself as this birth channel and the planetary um, abstractions are what is being born within that channel. And as they're being born within that birth channel, they're taking on like a guise of significations or of meaning. So whenever something moves through the birth channel of Leo, 
it's taking on solar significations and solar significations are being acted upon by whatever planet is in there. Now, what's really interesting is the, the sun itself is in its own domicile uh, of Leo. So the, the solar energy is going to be, it's like a double down on the sun. So what does the sun represent? Well, uh, the sun has significations of authority and authority figures in general is diurnal. It is uh, said to be masculine or very like active, okay? Um, and it is something where we're going to see a commanding presence uh, come to the fore. Uh, Robert Schmidt likes to say that, that Mars is action, but the actual taking of the action, whereas the sun is the commanding of others to take the action. So we may see an increase in our ability to issue commands, um, our ability to take authority and to, to take on the mantle of leadership when the sun moves into Leo. Um, that's something that could be much more, that could be supported in a much easier way now that the sun has, it's basically the sun has come home, the king. Okay, the sun was th thought of as the king, uh, has, has come back to his castle and he has all of his uh, servants around him and he has all of his resources. He's got his, his, his coffers are full and he's ready to just shine his, his benevolent rule. Um, and the, the sun takes on a, a more a place of, um, I would say, integrity when it's in Leo. Uh, it's much easier to do solar actions. Uh, it's, it also represents the light of the mind, the intellect. So it's, it's easier for us to get in touch with perhaps uh, the, the divine parts of ourselves uh, with, you know, the sun was said to represent divinity and unity. Um, also the, the concept of selection and being special. So this is a time in your life to figure out what, what makes you special and what makes you want to shine your solar light. Uh, what kind of uh, places in your life you might want to take authority and, and be some somebody who is... Uh, you know, where do you find the, the point in your chart that's special? Uh, look to the, the Leo ruled house in your chart. Um, if your Leo section, if your Leo house is in, oh, I don't know, the ninth house, maybe it's something with your belief structure. Maybe you're very good uh, in the realm of higher education and higher learning, some of the things that are associated with the ninth house. Maybe you shine your light with finding meaning uh, because the ninth house is associated with with finding your purpose and, and why you are doing the actions that you're doing uh, that are associated with the with the 10th house uh, maybe in the you're have leo in the 10th house and you're very good at taking action out in the world and that's something that where you find a, a sense of specialness um, and this could could go on and on and on we could if you looked at the 11th house maybe you take a leadership role within a group dynamic or within um, a, a group of people who are uh, trying to enact an, an altruistic um, mission or a goal. Uh, so think about that. Meditate on where in your chart you may be able to take a leadership role because that, that area of your chart is really supported now that the, the sun is moving into Leo. This is also a lightening up of the energy that we've been experiencing with all these Cancerian placements. We're going to start getting uh, planets are starting to move out of the opposition with Saturn and Pluto and the South Node, which uh, has been a pretty heavy, um, pretty heavy experience lately. 
we've, we've done a lot of the heavy lifting here, I think. Um, we're still in the middle of a Mercury retrograde and, and Mercury has just moved as I'm recording this on Friday, uh, coming to you from the past, if you're seeing this on Sunday or, or into the future. Um, Mercury's just moved back into the sign of, of Cancer. And we've got a real watery Mercury right now again. Uh, and it's going back through all of the uh, challenging oppositions by whole sign aspect. We'll talk about that a little bit. But for the most part, I think that the, the worst is behind us. Uh, that's the, the, the vibe I'm getting. Um, I know that there's still challenges ahead. We're still moving towards the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in the beginning of the year. Um, but some of the really difficult astrology that we've been going through over the first couple months of the summer I think may start to lighten just, just a bit as we move into Leo season here. Okay, so let's jump into it. So before I get into that, let's share my screen here. Let me give you a little bit of the essential dignity report here. Uh, and I think this is kind of a neat little thing because when we talk about essential dignities, this is kind of special uh, powers that the planets have when they are in certain signs. Accidental dignity is something that is represented by um, the aspects that they're making planets and, and by house placement. Um, but essential dignity is sign-based. So what we're seeing, uh, what we're going to be seeing is the sun moving into its own domicile here, which gives it rulership or, or dignity by domicile. Um, and then we are going to see it having a triplicity ruler during the day because the sun is the triplicity ruler of the fire signs during the day. So it is the diurnal triplicity ruler. Now let's talk about that a little bit. Um, been learning a lot from my, my own astrology teacher, Mr. Adam Ellenbaus of Nightlight Astrology, and he's coming, coming up and uh, helping to illuminate uh, a number of very interesting theories about triplicity and, and the the dignities in general. And he, he's begun experimenting, and thus I've begun experimenting with uh, the planets or the dignities having uh, a planetary nature. And one of the things that he was explaining a few weeks ago was domicile rulerships having the nature of the sun, exaltation rulerships having the nature of the moon and being related to fortune, and this past week, we talked about triplicity a little bit, and it was very interesting because he was relating that to the nature of Jupiter. Now, I don't know if this is fully fleshed out yet, and I, I think Adam will tell you the same, so I wouldn't hold any of us to this as a, as a, a, a really like solid interpretation yet, but there's a lot of things that make sense about it. Uh, and one of the things that we see with triplicity rulers, um, in Demetri George's book, Astrology and uh, Ancient astrology and theory and practice, um, she describes triplicity as having communal support. Uh, Robert Schmidt talks about it, and some of the ancient authors speak about this as having the winds at your back. Uh, so remember, we have these, these boating metaphors, these ship sailing metaphors that we're experiencing with ancient Hellenistic astrology, amongst other things like comparing the um, planets as being in a, a cosmic courtroom or being members of a, of a community or a city. Um, and when we have triplicity rulership, what it sounds like is we have uh, this, this nice 
wind at our back that is supporting us, where we are, um, Jupiter is of course the greater benefic. So we, we get kind of some, some goodies, you know, we get, we get nice um, beneficial support when we have Jupiterian things being activated in our chart. And with this triplicity thing, it might be like, you know, this is kind of a, you know, the community is, is cheering for us. We've got some, some momentum that is happening from having a planet within its own triplicity. So the very beginning of, well, the sun has like double awesomeness during the day when it's in Leo because it has both domicile rulership, which means that it is has resources available to it, like it's in its own castle, so to speak. And it has rulership or uh, dignity by triplicity during the day. Now, remember, with triplicity rulers, we have different ones for the daytime and the nighttime. And then we had this other one called the cooperating ruler. Now, for the fire signs, uh, the sun is the daytime ruler and Jupiter is the nighttime ruler. So the sun is going to have like a double dose of, of dignity. It has access to its own resources and it has the support of its community. So, you know, a lot of times when you see the sun in the first, you know, in, the sun in a daytime chart in the sign of Leo, uh, that's going to be a very powerful sun within your chart and within uh, the transits and, and things of that nature. Um, a couple other triplicity rulerships that we have happening right now. Um, I'm going to clear this. Let's just give the whole report here. Venus still has triplicity during the day. It's in its own triplicity, okay? Which means that Venus is the nocturne, I'm sorry, the diurnal triplicity ruler of the water signs. So we have Venus and Cancer in a water sign and she has dignity during the day. Okay, now that's important. Now we're, we're kicking around this theory. I've been talking to a number of other astrologers about this, about, well, if the triplicity rulers change in a birth chart uh, for the day and the nighttime, why wouldn't they be changing rulerships by transit? Uh, it seems to make sense. So that's something we've been experimenting with. So my thoughts on this is that when we're trying to work with these planetary energies, we may have more support when we are using them during the day or during the evening, or when we're trying to work with them. I wouldn't say just using them because basically they're using us. <laughs> like so. so I think when you're trying to achieve Venusian matters, they may be more effective and have more wind in the sails, so to speak, during the daytime while Venus is in Cancer. Uh, now that's gonna shift when Venus moves into Leo uh, later in this week, it's gonna lose some dignity um, but it's going to be sitting at the table with its host, the sun. So that's a mitigating factor. Um, so that's that's Venus. Uh, Jupiter. Jupiter here is in the sign of Sagittarius, which is a fire sign, which its diurnal ruler is the sun. So because its triplicity ruler is going to be in better shape, that does improve uh, Jupiter's condition during the day but Jupiter is its own triplicity ruler at night. So this is kind of interesting. So Jupiterian matters might be a little bit more effective or efficient during the evening, even though Jupiter is of the diurnal sect and generally is happier during the day uh, in daytime charts 
but it's got more wind in the sails, so to speak, in the evening right now. So that's something to keep an eye on for Jupiter. Um, Jupiter is also in its own domicile, so it has access to its own resources, just like the sun does. So the sun and, and Jupiter are going to be very powerful uh, for the next you know, I don't know, month or so uh, as the sun moves through the sign of Leo. Uh, and they are they're complementary. They're, they're partners. They are of the same diurnal sect. They are sect mates. Um, so there may be some, some really nice harmony between them uh, by whole sign trine aspect. Uh, there's going to be a, a, an ability to work with um, kind of your, your solar light and your Jupiterian sense of justice um, and benevolence. Um, so those things might be working well together. And the sun may be more effective during the day, so you could work with your solar commanding authoritative qualities during the day. And you could be a little bit more about figuring out purpose and harmonizing and bridge building and things of those natures uh, during the evening with Jupiter. Okay, the only other thing that we have that I can see, if I haven't missed anything um, with, with essential dignities is we still have Saturn um, in its own domicile of Capricorn. So Saturn is still very strong uh, in, the, in the domicile of Capricorn. He has all his own resources. Uh, he is able to enact his significations of uh, creating boundaries, creating walls, uh, decay of being the, the, the um, distributor of, of time, um, of entropy, of dissolving structures and and then thus laying the foundation for building them up again. Um, it is the the outer boundary. So with the seven visible planets, Saturn was the the, the edge of the, the solar system. And so that is creating that that boundary structure that keeps everything, keeps us aware of our limitations. So that's something that you know Saturn is really doing right now very well is making us aware of our limitations, generally helping us live within them hopefully, uh, and you know getting us to to have a, a sense of maturity when it comes to the things that we need to do but may not want to, um, and this is something that really is a, a Saturn signification is kind of doing the things that we we know we have to do um, but we may not enjoy it. Uh, that's that's a very Saturnian type of thing. Uh, so keep an eye on that as well. Okay, let's start moving through the week here. So that's our essential dignities report for the week. Um, we are looking at Monday the 22nd. And at the beginning of the day, we are seeing the moon is going to be in the sign of Pisces very early in the morning. And it's going to be making a trine to the sign of cancer and to the sun. So very early in the morning in, in Eastern time, we have this nice trine, it's not the greatest, which is the nature of Jupiter again. And we'll keep using the, the um, keep using the language. We'll keep trying to gain fluency. And I'm going to repeat these kind of concepts each week. So. As you continue to listen, maybe you will get more fluency with some of these, these uh, traditional uh, and Hellenistic techniques. So a nice trine between the moon and the sun, um, bringing probably some decent dreams to your dream life there. As we move forward into, in the day, we're going to see 
the moon start to move into the sign of Aries. Uh, and this is pretty interesting. We are in a, in the beginning of the week, we are in a disseminating moon phase, uh, which is 135 degrees to 90 degrees behind the sun. So you see how the moon here, if you can see my chart, is has an axis or a, a diameter here, or a radius, and as long as the radius of man, an arc, an arc of distance, there you go, which is um, going to be smaller, okay, where the moon is behind in the zodiac rather than in front of the sun. This area right here would be in front, this area right here would be behind. So now we are 135 degrees to 90 degrees behind the sun. And this is after the full moon. We had eclipse, the eclipse thing happening last week. We had all these oppositions happening. A lot of things maybe were revealed or came to light. And now we're kind of dealing with the aftermath. We're, we're seeing what the fruit of that first cycle was that we experienced on the eclipse, the, the new moon solar eclipse on July 2nd. And now we're kind of uh, getting whatever either reward or punishment or <laughs> whatever. And we're disseminating what we've learned from the opposition out into the world. We may be starting to share our ideas. We may be starting to uh, harvest the fruit that, that was planted in that beginning of that cycle. So that's something that's going to be moving mostly through our week as that disseminating moon phase. We do... Uh, touch upon the balsamic phase at the very end of the week on Sunday, um, but we can talk about that when we get to Sunday. So this is a good time for communication. This is a good time for sharing your ideas. This is a good time for kind of, you know, distributing uh, your knowledge, for, for sharing everything that you've learned throughout this cycle and starting to uh, move forward with some of the plans that you have put into motion at the beginning of the cycle. Uh, so the, really the only moon aspect that I'm seeing is, is the trine to the sun very early in the morning. And then the next thing that we have uh, in the day is going to be the, the sun moving into Leo okay, at around 10.51 in the p.m. Eastern time. So you can see the, moon, the sun is moving into, into Leo. It's going to be co-present with Mars, all right? So now it's kind of like Mars is sitting at the table with its host, the sun. So that strengthens Mars too, because Mars has a lot of uh, access to uh, the solar resources now. So this, this may really um, amplify our ability to take action while also giving commands. So it's, it's kind of like walking your talk. If you're going to ask someone to do something, you have to be able to demonstrate that to them and show that you are willing to, to go down that path as well. So this may be a time to really start to uh, put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. And you, you'll have resources to do that. Um, this will probably heat, heat some stuff up, though, too. Um, Mars is going to be... At this point, Mars is, is under the beams of the sun. You can see that in the days leading up to that, uh, Mars was 15 degrees away or so from the sun. Okay? And this was happening very early on uh, when, when the sun was at 28 degrees cancer. Or so we started to see 
it moving very close to being under the beams. So this is called a heliacal setting. And this is when Mars is kind of going uh, beneath the beams, it's hidden. A lot of our actions may start to take place a little bit more in secret because they're being uh, kind of blinded out by the, the very bright rays of the sun, by the solar rays. Um, of course, Mars right now is an evening star. So he is, which means that he is rising. If, if let's take a look over here. If the sun was over here at the Eastern horizon and we were, you know, it was the beginning of the day uh, and Mars was down here, as you can see this relationship over here, okay. When the sun rises, it's gonna rise first and then Mars is gonna rise after by primary motion. When we go clockwise around the chart, that's representing the diurnal or primary motion uh, that happens by the spinning of the globe. Uh, and we can see if we go just in hours, the planets are going to move in this clockwise motion throughout the zodiac. So, you know, if we can actually observe this as well out uh, in the world, if we go and watch the sky, we can see the sun come up and move across from the east, uh, you know, rise in, into the southern sky and then set in the west. Um, and if we are able to see some of these planets uh, at night as well, we can see them making the same type of trek across the sky. So what this means is that uh, Mars is more hidden now within the solar significations. It's kind of, you know, working together with the sun, but some of the actions you take may be a little bit more behind the scenes, which is okay. Uh, that's part of the cycle that it goes through pretty regularly here. Um, now there's some debate on whether Mars is happier as an evening star or a morning star. Um, there's different, different authors that say a few different things. I, I'm guessing the consensus is that it's a little bit happier as an evening star because it, some of its heat is mitigated by being of the night, okay? Like night is associated with coolness and dampness and that sort of lowers the threshold of Mars heat and something of that nature. Um, but Mars is a masculine planet, quote unquote, um, according to some, some of the traditional doctrine. And so there's a little bit of debate, I guess we'll, we'll say, where there isn't as much debate with like, um, with Venus and Jupiter and things like that. Venus, of course, prefers being a nocturnal evening star and Jupiter, of course, prefers being uh, of the day or dire. Um, so as we move through Monday here, uh, let's keep it let's keep it rolling. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to give you an awareness of is that as we speak about this, we went through a Kazemi moment with the sun on Sunday, or or we are going through it today if you're watching this on Sunday, where Mercury made its uh, inferior conjunction with the sun, which is the beginning of an entire new Mercury cycle. So there's probably something really interesting happening today on Sunday, uh, if you're watching this on Sunday, or go back to Sunday and, and look at what's going on and really take note of the, the actions that are happening. What, what is being born today uh, in, in the Cancerian ruled part of your chart? What is the, what is the little seed uh, that you're feeling? What is the new impulse that you're seeing? Because we're gonna, that's gonna be something that you're gonna be dealing with um, with this whole Mercury cycle, which lasts for many months. 
Um, so what we're seeing now is, is as Mercury is starting to separate again from the sun, it now is rising before it. So you can see Mercury is becoming of the morning. Okay, see how it's above the sun now in that relationship? Uh, so Mercury is going to be rising until it makes its uh, morning rise or heliacal morning rise, which means it escapes from the beams uh, at 15 degrees. And this happens on the 31st. We're not talking about that this week, but that may be some of the things that you may um, have started this, this weekend on Sunday. You might really see some sort of um, oh, omen of, of that new start when Mercury makes its morning appearance. That, that was said to be a con condition of Vasus, where it was an omen that speaks. That was something that, that was from Schmidt and from, from Demetra George, where we're really seeing uh, this kind of appearance of something. And you can look at this in your chart if you do secondary progressions and things like that. When, when Mercury is making one of those conditions, when it escapes the beams, there's usually really important things that are happening. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for the looking ahead or when Mercury actually goes direct, which is on the 31st, and makes its morning rise the next day on August 1st. So that's really when things are going to start to move forward with Mercury stuff. Um, but we're going to really pay attention to what wants to be born um, on Sunday. And then, you know, this is like, this Mercury right now is like a, someone who was uh, going through the furnace it took to its sickbed as it came into the inferior conjunction, and then it's starting to rise and gain strength again. It's still not strong. Mercury is still not strong. Uh, I compared it last week to a butterfly that's hatching from the cocoon, but the wings are still wet. So for the next week or two here, we are still going to be experiencing kind of this very baby, baby Mercury. You know, Mercury has hatched out from the cocoon, the wings are still wet. It's a little tiny baby. Although the baby Mercury was pretty mischievous, if you know your um, astrology, your mythology, um, baby Mercury did some stuff. He, I believe, he uh, made uh, the lyre or like a, a guitar of sorts from a tortoise shell, and did all got up to all sorts of other mischief um, as as a youth, as a little young um, spry uh, god or demigod here. So, um, so just be on the lookout for that. Uh, just because Mercury is young and, and uh, not at its full strength yet does not mean that he may not pull a few tricks or two as we go through this week. Okay. So uh, as we move forward, just a few uh, couple other notes about the, the sun moving into Leo as we move forward here. We're going to see this sun. Um, I had a couple other notes that I thought were interesting. Okay, the sun's gonna move into Leo right there in the evening of Monday, the 22nd. And of course the sun had a few other cool names too. Uh, the sun was called Sol, Helios, Shamesh, Surya, in all these different uh, traditions, astrological and, and cultural traditions. And the neat thing that I, I saw in, as I was doing my research for this week ahead forecast um, Demetri George says that all of these were portrayed with beams of light emanating from their head. So this is like a focal point. You know, the, the sun is a focusing. It is, you know, if we go back to that image of the spotlight, we're all vying, okay, to be in that solar light. 
and we are emanating that that very focused solar beam. Um, and the sun was also associated with divination and with taking oaths, uh, but it was it was also the process of selection. So really seeing that that this is a, a time when you are really learning to focus on what your particular uh, gifts are. What is it that where you create a sense of identity that may be unique to you? And that's going to be something that is a real focal point, I think, for the, the beginning of this week and throughout um, Leo season, we can say. All right, moving into Tuesday. As we move into Tuesday, uh, the moon is still in Aries. And we are continuing on in our disseminating phase. You can see, as I click through the chart here, if you're watching on the video, you can see that the sun is moving this way in clockwise motion. It's still underneath the horizon. The ascendant is going to mark the horizon. And the sun is going to be rising above, you know, around 6.30 or so. You can see the sun is risen. Now, look again. We have Mercury and Venus rising before the sun. Now, Venus is far enough away from the sun that it will still be visible in the sky, whereas um, Mercury, actually, no, I'm wrong, sorry, I'm doing the wrong thing here. All of these planets, pardon my, pardon my miscue, thanks Mercury. See all these planets? All of these, uh, we've got the two inferior planets, um, Venus and Mercury, and they are within about six or seven degrees, you know, respectively of the sun. So that's still under the beams. And then Mars, the superior planet, is pretty close to the sun right now, uh, within 13 degrees. So it is also invisible. So this is a, a whole matrix of planets that are kind of under under the beams of the sun, under the rule of that 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 solar authority and enacting a lot of their significations in secret, all right? So you may be really brewing um, a lot of these types of things behind the scenes a little bit, okay? But you can see now, one of the things I wanna talk about here is here we see both Venus and Mercury rising before the sun and then Mars rising after, okay? So that's just a little demonstration of that, of that concept that we've been going through, okay? There we go. And I'm gonna get rid of that here. So in the beginning of the day, around 9.30 or so, the first aspect we're gonna see with the moon is a trine with Mars, okay? So that we're gonna look at our lunar aspects here. And we've got at 13 degrees, we've got a, a lunar trine with Mars. The sun's just moved into Leo. Uh, and we've got a lot of fire energy. And actually, this beautiful little grand fire trine that I'm just noticing here, okay, with, with Jupiter, Mars, and the moon. So this is a pretty active, this is a really active uh, arrangement. Um, we've got a little bit of reception with the moon and Mars, okay? So the moon is in Mars' sign, so there's a positive conversation, the trine, which is of the nature of Jupiter, between the moon and Mars, activating our ability to take action. And we've got Jupiter here kind of informing all of this with his own trine, lending his support to this, 
to these actions that we're trying to take here. So the beginning of Tuesday to me uh, begins with enthusiasm. And this is enthusiasm where we are going to be taking, uh, potentially taking some very important actions uh, that are very fiery in nature, very, very active, very visible, very, uh, you know, externalized. Um, so this is maybe a great day for doing some exercise and exercise routine, things like that, for, for working on projects that are very near and dear to your heart, um, that are an expression of your particular identity. Uh, I remember in Demetra's original book on learning astrology, she associated the fire signs with identity. And, you know, there was the, the personal, the transpersonal, and the interpersonal versions of that with Aries, um, Leo, and Sagittarius, respectively. Uh, but this may be something about how are you expressing yourself? And you've got support from, from Jupiter, Mars, and the moon. Okay. So we can see that we that, that moon uh, is going to make a, per, it's going to perfect, okay? It's going to perfect with Jupiter uh, around noon, okay? At 15 degrees, there we go, around, around 12, 15 or so, uh, Eastern time. That's when the, the trine happens. So that, like I said, that morning is really active. Now, one of the things that, that happens immediately after that, excuse me, is that the moon, as it starts to separate from Jupiter on Tuesday, it's going to start moving into a square with Saturn. So can you see this here? Now it's moving into a square, which is of the nature of Mars. So there's some friction that develops. So to me, this is like, well, we've gotten all this enthusiasm. We're getting really fired up. We want to take an action. We may have initiated something. And then we are coming face to face with potentially some sort of limitation. And this may cause some internal, uh, internal friction or external friction. It could cause you to feel like, you know, with this moon in Aries, I want what I want, when I want it, this is who I am, damn it. I'm going to express this. And, and you may get a, a little bit of a reality check or a slap back uh, in the afternoon on Tuesday with the moon running into Saturn or just an obstacle to be, to be overcome. Um, Speaking of overcoming, this is a really interesting configuration that we can talk about here uh, or another concept to, to talk about. Now, overcoming, uh, I've been actually just reading this chapter in Demetra's book. I'm almost done with her book. Uh, I've been slowly working my way through uh, ancient astrology and theory and practice over the last few months, taking very diligent notes. And this is a concept called overcoming. Okay. Overcoming. And this is uh, also when it's by the square aspect here. This means that, that the planet in the superior position in the zodiac, okay, is squaring or making contact with a planet that is uh, at a different point in the zodiac here. Um, you can see that Saturn is earlier in the zodiac than the moon is in Aries. Now I know that sounds counterintuitive because we tend to think of Aries as being the beginning of the zodiac, but really it's a circle. Uh, so wherever you're seeing the, the, the arc of the least amount of distance, 
Okay, this is going to be earlier in the zodiac, basically because it rises, it's going to rise over the horizon before the moon. So if I, I click this all the way over, we would see Saturn actually rising or culminating before the moon uh, on this by primary motion. So what does that mean? Uh, that means that Saturn is going to be maltreating the moon um, by overcoming. This was a really powerful position when the, uh, the overcoming planet was 10 signs away from the planet that it was aspecting. So here, if we, for example, if we move this chart over, okay, I'm just gonna move this over a little bit and we see right here, uh, now Saturn's in the 10th house and the moon is in the first house. So here's our relationship that we have. Okay, Saturn is going to be exerting this dominance over okay, the moon. And that is a pretty, uh, that's a challenging thing, especially when it is um, a malefic, all right? So there may be some kind of force that is exerting some sort of dominance upon your plan um, because of that, that needs to be worked through, uh, a conversation that needs to be had and a kind of, a, you know, an ability to, to work through that, those challenges. So don't expect every action that you take at the beginning of this uh, fire trine energy um, to not come to some, not have some kind of resistance in the afternoon. Uh, and if you know that going in, you can kind of temper your enthusiasm just a little bit because I got news for you. You're going to be fired up at the beginning of the week uh, with all of the new fire sign energy with the sun in Leo, with the Mars in Leo, with the moon in Aries, Jupiter in Sagittarius, you're going to be ready to rock. But there may be some, some, things that some kind of uh, limiting factor that you're going to have to work with him. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Saturn limitations are the types of things that keep you from overdoing it and from, you know, it keeps the toddler from running out into the street or things like that. It's, it's the, the constructive no. So there may be a, a constructive no that you have to really come to terms with as we move through Tuesday afternoon. All right. So let's move forward. As we move into Wednesday, okay, the next aspect that we're going to be starting to experience is uh, a square with Pluto. So that happens very early in the morning on Wednesday, but we're going to be feeling it throughout the evening um, because, you know, the moon makes uh, has a very wide orb, I guess, of influence. Um, some authors say that it, with, when, it, when the moon is within 12 degrees of something, we really feel it. Um, so that may be something that, that we're going to be experiencing as we move through the evening on Tuesday. You come up against the limitation, you try to work through it, and then you really like dig deep with Pluto and really try to get to the core issue of what the, what the real problem is. Um, Pluto energy is very good for diving into the depths of things, into the underworld, so to speak, and really unearthing what is deeply buried beneath the surface. So perhaps you have to come face to face with some kind of power dynamic that is, that is buried under the surface and figure out potentially where some of the corruption lies before you can move forward with your plan. Um, I, I see a lot, we've just gone through the Venus Pluto stuff. Um, I had a Venus Pluto square that was transiting in my chart just the other day. And the energy was, it was very, um, very challenging within relationships. 
And it just the, the experience that I got with Pluto, and this is, I think this is very instructive of how I understand Pluto, is I, I had a feeling of just going, going cold, um, just really just like freezing up, going very deep into a place that was very hard to get out of. Like, like after the, the it wasn't a, a huge argument or anything. It was just an energy. It was just a little, a small little type of thing where I could feel my, my negative, my worst self trying to bubble up from the surface. There was a, you know, a little bit of a discontent about decision-making one person, you know, wanted to make a decision or, or one person wanted the other person to make the decision. And, and then there was this coldness that just came through that, that was like very, I know we talk about uh, Pluto as a, as a volcano, but I'm almost feeling it like a, it's this kind of really frigid type of energy too. I mean, you know, potentially what is buried deep in the ground is in this very cold cave-like place too. Yes, we have the liquid hot magma at the very core, but we may be going through lots of, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, very inhospitable type of environments before we get to that molten core. Um, and I felt myself completely shutting down. So that may be something that you have to deal with too. You may uh, be experiencing some negative feelings that are bubbling up that need to be dealt with. Um, and you may feel a very cold presence type of coming in that's putting a lot of like cold, um, I don't know, splashing cold water or, or solidifying in this very like slowing type of uh, energy because Pluto is in an earth sign to all of the active, fast moving, fiery heat. So keep it, your eyes peeled for that at the, at the end of Tuesday. It's just a, a slowing down. Um, be careful not to get lost within the, um, the depths of your issue. Uh, if you bring them to the light and you keep dealing with it, you know, Pluto really is uh, the reformer. Okay. So we like to say, use the word transformation a lot with the chart, but I think that, you know, from what I've read and from my experiences, Pluto really uh, has a, a real, I don't know, not a monopoly, but he, he really uh, exemplifies that transformational energy where we have to deal with the decay and with the things that aren't working so that we can kind of be reborn in that Phoenix type of energy. So that is very early on uh, Saturday, I'm sorry, on Tuesday, Saturday. <laughs> so you can see that perfecting very early in the morning on Wednesday, the, the 24th. Um, we're also going to be uh, experiencing um, a lot of aspects with retrograde planets too. Pluto is retrograde, Mercury is retrograde, and we're gonna see aspects connecting both of those in the beginning of the day. The first aspect we see is a square from the sun, I'm sorry, from the moon to uh, Venus. So as we move forward through our morning, um, we've got the moon in Aries making a square to Venus in Cancer. So this may bring up some frictions within the family uh, Venus acting upon, you know, lunar significations of, of family, of the public, of the masses. So we can think of our, our you know, our country and things like that as a, as a family uh, as well. So there may be some, some things that get triggered around that as well. Um, we've really been going through the mill right now with all of the, 
stuff that's been going on. It's, it's just even hard to keep up with all of it. Um, for those of you who are uh, fighting the good fight and the good, uh, trying to bring justice to situations of injustice, um, keep going. I think you're doing a great job. Um, and try to figure out if you, if you aren't getting involved, you should maybe figure out what your role is and what you can do. I do think it is one of the things that starts um, internally. I think that it's very important to kind of get your mind right and get your immediate environment right so that you can be a force for good out in your greater community. I think that's where it starts. If you don't feel like you're able to just, you know, be somebody who is out on the front lines of these things, I think you can still make a difference by really working on these types of issues that, that are coming up in the microcosm within your personal life within your internal aspects as well. Um, if you have a crystallized belief system that may not be uh, may not be working anymore, that that's the work that you have to do. Uh, if you are stronger and if you are in a position where your your voice is more um, more out there and more visible, use it to continue to to speak up for the people who who need you. And there's people that need us right now that need uh, fairness justice. Um, there's lots of innocence that's being, um, I don't know. There's lots of things that are being like really challenged right now with what's going on in our country. And we're at a moment, like I said last week, we're at a moment of reckoning and what side of history do you want to be on? And I just really encourage you again, I'm going to keep saying this, to choose the passion, or choose the path of love and compassion. Um, I just think things work out better that way. I know that some people may have gotten really fixed in their positions on, on both sides of things. Um, but I think try to find the bridge between you and try to find where you can be some sort of light uh, within that darkness. Uh, I know that, that we really went through a heavy month and um, I think it's important to kind of acknowledge the work that's been done and also acknowledge there's a lot more work to be done. Um, so I hope that all of you are kind of feeling a, a surge of vitality again to, to keep, keep going. Okay, so as we move forward through Wednesday, uh, we're going to see the moon coming in contact with retrograde Mercury at 26 degrees uh, of Aries and Cancer square. And squares, of course, are the nature of Mars. And the last time that uh, Mercury was at 26 degrees, was on June 22nd. So what I want you to do is go, maybe go back, if you keep a journal or anything like that, I want you to go back to that, that time frame and see what was happening on that particular day. Uh, because in addition to the moon squaring at that, at that position, uh, we're going to see Mercury retrograding back into a conjunction with Venus. Now, this is really interesting. This is this kind of thing happens when we have, um, it doesn't happen very often. I, I tried to go back and look for the last conjunction of, of Mercury and Venus, and it was way back, many, 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 many months ago. Okay, so this is something where we may be coming to an agreement, uh, to a compromise. Uh, if, we, if we combine the significations of, of Mercury and Venus, we may have graceful communications that we're able to have. Maybe there's a healing conversation that we're willing to do. You can see here if I move forward in the day. Um, you can see Mercury starting to move into its conjunction with Venus at 26 degrees here. There it is. Okay. 
and also the moon is about to change signs into Taurus, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but look at the things that were going on in your life um, when Venus was uh, back at 26 degrees Cancer, because we're going to be revisiting some of those things. And you may be able to, Venus may be bringing a real harmonizing influence to, to those mercurial tendencies that we may be having. There's been a lot of tough conversations lately that we've been having, and hopefully Venus is going to help smooth out those edges. And you may be revisiting those things and coming to some sort of um, compromise around them. Okay, so that is the, the retrograding Mercury conjoining Venus. Uh, the other thing that happens at 5.42 p.m. on Wednesday is the moon moves into the sign of Taurus. Now, this is an interesting thing. It's moving out of that grand trine, that grand fire trine, okay? And it is moving into the sign of Taurus, into a conjunction with Uranus. So anytime we have a planet that's making contact with the Taurus area of the chart now, we're going to have this kind of Uranian quality of, uh, I don't know, Promethean type of, you know, new structures, you know, a shattering, a shock, perhaps, uh, something new that wants to be born, being unconventional. Um, the moon, of course, gains dignity when it goes into the sign of Taurus. It is said to be in its exaltation, which was associated with uh, what we've been learning with, with the moon in the realm of fortune and with uh, honors. So an exalted moon is one that is at the top of the wheel. So if we look, look at this wheel here and we say that's the realm of fortune, you know, the moon in Taurus is at the top. It's like receiving good fortune. Whereas if it's in the sign of Scorpio, it's kind of at the bottom rung of the wheel. And, you know, it's at, the, at its lowest point, so to speak. Um, so there may be some kind of good fortune that, that you may be receiving when the moon goes into Taurus. It may be unexpected with that connection with Uranus. Um, the moon also has triplicity by, at night now because the, the Earth signs have Venus, I believe, as the diurnal ruler, and then the moon as the nocturnal. <laughs> That's my crazy moon banana. Sorry, I'm drawing on here. You can't see this. So the moon is the nocturnal ruler of the Earth signs. So the moon gets a double whammy of goodness at night now. So if you're doing lunar activities and things like that, uh, you may want to do them at night um, because you'll have not only uh, the support uh, of, of being honored and being at the, the realm of the winds of fortune blowing in your direction, being at the height of, of the wheel, uh, you also will have the winds okay, uh, blowing at your back. I tried, I mixed my metaphors there, but... Uh, you'll have a, an ability to be honored for what you're doing, and you will have the support of your community doing that as well. So lunar activities may be very supported at night for the next few days. Okay. The other thing that we're going to see uh, as the moon moves into Taurus is immediately it is going to be coming into a square with the sun. So now you can see that as we move forward at one degree, now we have a square, which are of the nature of Mars. So a friction, a conflict, some sort of action that isn't, isn't quite 
matching up, possibly a war, right? Between this lunar, uh, earthy, Taurian moon and this very, very solar uh, sun in Leo, this, this authority. So there may be this uh, kind of conflict between your emotional state and the way that you come across uh, you either using your authority or authority figures in general. Um, there's a conflict between the king and the queen here. Now, this also is initiating a new moon phase. Uh, the, this is the beginning of the last quarter moon phase, which is when we have the moon 90 to 45 degrees behind the sun. Okay, this always happens at the square of the, the last square of the moon and the sun in the cycle. Okay, and the last quarter phase is all about reevaluating. It's a, it's a crisis point, okay, because we are at the square. We're turning away from the gifts that we received at the uh, disseminating phase of this cycle. And we're starting to say, all right, what do we want now? We've already gone through this cycle. Now we need to uh, shift gears. We may be having an existential crisis. The difference between the first quarter crisis and the last quarter crisis is the first quarter is generally uh, associated with something that is happening potentially more externally. Whereas the last quarter is more of an internal crisis. It's more of like a, a, a crisis of consciousness or of faith. We may not believe the same things that we were believing before and we are learning to let go. We're not trying to bring something into fruition. We're trying to let go of something. So this is the beginning of the letting go part of the phase of the moon phase. And this happens every, every moon cycle. Uh, we're going, we go through last quarter phases all the time. Some of them, some of us, like me, were born with the last quarter moon phase. So we're, I'm very familiar with this. Uh, if you've noticed in my videos, I'd say that, you know, every day is a new existential crisis for me. And that's, I'm going to blame my, my, uh, my moon phase. Um, there's some good things about it. Uh, I think the, good, the positive qualities of the last quarter moon phase, if you were born with that, or if you're experiencing it in your chart, is you really do think long and hard about uh, what you want and the meaning of your actions before you take them, uh, you are able to potentially live a little bit outside of the norm. Um, I would say I've built a life like doing things a little bit differently than, than your, normal, your normal person in society. Uh, I've read that part of the job of the last quarter moon person in their chart is to reflect the reality of your, the society back to them and help to dissolve some of the old crystallized structures that need to be released. And maybe that's what I'm doing with some of my astrology here is showing, holding up the mirror to you or to a society in general and saying, it's time for you to reevaluate what you're doing with your life and how you're using these planetary energies and, and how you're navigating your life. This, this is, these videos are very reflective in nature. Um, they're not necessarily just like, boom, bang, boom, let's do this, let's do, do, do. It's, it's more like, no, how about we think about the ramifications of our actions and be able to release what, it, what no longer is serving us. And that, that is, I think, more of the vibe of, of what we're doing here. Um, so in the plant metaphor, uh, at the disseminating phase, we had the fruit, right? We had the flowering phase at full moon, we had at the disseminating phase, we've consolidated that flower into a fruit uh, to be consumed and distributed 
And now at the last quarter, the fruit has fallen off the vine. We've consumed what we need to consume. Uh, the seeds are left. Okay, we have just the waste that is left in the seed of the new birth cycle that has fallen to the ground. The, the vine begins to wither. And we are, uh, you know, going into this darker phase where the, the seed is going to be going underground and gestating for the new cycle that will be reborn at the new, next new moon. Okay, so from Wednesday on, this is a time for letting go. The moon is, is receding in light. You may be really fired up about what you want to do next, but it may not be the time to initiate all that stuff. That time is coming. Jupiter is going to be going direct in the middle of August. Mercury goes direct at the end of the month. Uh, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to, to go at warp speed again. Uh, in a few weeks, but this time maybe for really evaluating what it is that you really want and getting very clear about that before you become too rash with, with your out external actions. Okay, and that, that energy perfects at 9.18 p.m. All right, moving on into Thursday. Clear this up. Okay. Thursday, of course, we are still within the last quarter. And the first aspect we have is the conjunction of the moon and Uranus at six degrees. Okay, so there we go. The moon is going to be, we're going to start off with a very electric uh, <laughs> moon. So you may get a jolt of energy, a jolt of a lightning bolt of awareness. Uh, you may have some sort of unexpected event that, that is triggered in your life in the very early mornings that requires you to take some sort of action uh, or inspires a new perspective. Uh, I kind of like it when the moon is in Taurus now because uh, it, it, it has dignity. And what it tells me is that these lunar initiations, um, we may be enacting things that will help us lay the new foundation moving forward. You know, if we think about the sign of Taurus as that earthy foundation, the things that support us, how we create sustenance, Taurus rules the mouth and how we bring things in. Um, Uranus is giving us a huge like uh, course correction with all of those types of things. And when the moon hits it, it, it has that dignity and it may be we are starting to, to, you know, bring things into the world that are, you know, good for us. Uh, and that are maybe unexpected, but this may be a, a real clue to the new structures that are going to be supporting you um, in the next Uranian cycle. Okay, so that's the beginning of our morning. Um, as we move through the morning, a few hours, we're going to see the moon start to come into a tri... I'm sorry, we're seeing Mars starting to come into a trine with Jupiter. Okay, so that's about 8.30 or so. So now you can see there is a very enthusiastic, action-orientated trine between Mars and Jupiter. Now, the caution I give with, with that aspect is we still have a square between the Sun and Mars and the Moon and Uranus by whole sign. 
So there's still some tension between all of those planets. So I would say that Jupiter generally tends to make things bigger. Um, so this may tend to make your actions bigger. It may uh, expand your sense of authority and pride and your commanding nature, um, your, your desire to uh, enact authority within your life. So just be, be wary of that. Be careful that that may cause some, some tension uh, in the, the Taurus ruled area of your chart if you're too, um, if you're too rash with all of that. Um, and that's gonna happen about 8.22 a.m. You may be a little bit impulsive, but generally that is a nice aspect between Mars and Jupiter. As we move forward in the day at about 11 o'clock or so, 11, we're going to see a square between the moon and Mars, okay? So you may have taken an action impulsively with Mars trining Jupiter. And now there's maybe a moment of reckoning here where we've got uh, a square between the moon and Taurus and Mars in Leo. Remember squares are of the nature of Mars. So that may be a conversation that you have to have. Uh, your, it may be, you know what I think this, my thoughts on this were, maybe your emotional nature represented by the moon has to catch up with some of the new impulses that you have towards and the actions that you're taking. Taurus is generally very slow moving. It's, it's patient. It doesn't like changes happening all at once. And there may be a need to, for taking action, a very fiery type of need that your body, your uh, reflective, emotional, sensitive nature, your, your home environment, which is also represented by the moon, it's having to play catch up and it's like, wait a second, the Taurus part of your chart is saying, oh my God, wait a second, you're moving too fast, you're moving too fast, I don't like all these changes. Uh, there's a little bit of a conflict that's happening with that, okay? Um, so I think that this is a kind of a thing where you're going to have to get very in touch with the deep, uh, very um, internal gut level feeling of, of the new actions that you may be initiating. And remember, we're still in this last quarter phase. So this is, yes, we're going to be spurred to some actions with, with Mars making contact with Jupiter and being co-present with the sun. Uh, but the general overall energy of this week is, is a letting go and a reevaluation. So this may be another aspect that, that tends to slow things down, okay, and asking you to reevaluate what you really want uh, in regards to your, your security structures in your life, okay? Um, so that's the end of Thursday. As we move into Friday, as we move into Friday, we're still seeing the last quarter moon. Because remember, this is in the eightfold moon phase. This is 90 degrees to 45 degrees behind the sun. So uh, it lasts for a few, a few days. Um, the first aspect that we're going to see very early on Friday, and we'll back up for a second, is the moon making a trine with Saturn, which is beneficial. Um, there you go. The nature of Jupiter with a retrograde Saturn, too. Okay. And then it's going to be sextiling uh, Neptune at 5 a.m. or so at 18 degrees. 
And then it's going to be making a trine with a retrograde Pluto at about 11 o'clock AM at 21 degrees. And then a sextile with Mercury retrograde in the evening, in the early evening, about 545 or so at 25 degrees Taurus and Cancer. So if I were to look at the overall vibe of Friday, we're still going through that last quarter phase. We have harmonious or easy aspects with the trine and the sextile with many outer planets, okay, Saturn, Neptune, and Pluto. Now I consider, I'm going to consider a Saturn, you know, it's the most outermost of the visible planets. So technically we don't lump it in with Neptune, Pluto, and um, Uranus as outer planets, quote unquote. But it's a planet that, you know, traditionally was about hovering over your life and seeing the big picture. So I think it, with these as easy aspects with outer planets, two of them that are retrograde, we're going to be taking stock from a very overarching perspective. Um, there's earth and water is very, uh, uh, very emphasized um, elementally for this day. So there may be an emotional uh, component, a flowing component that is merging with a very earthy structural component. Uh, and that may be very life-giving. Uh, when we water the crops, when we water the fields, that's how we help, help things grow. So one of the things that you might consider on Friday is hovering over your life, taking stock of, of the past and the things that you've been doing on a, a, a larger scheme. And that's going to help inform uh, what the new cycle is going to be at the new moon coming up when we have the new moon in Leo. Reflect. Uh, reflect with... Um, you know, the Saturn ruled area of your chart? What's going on in that Capricorn ruled area of your chart? How, what's the progress report? Have you been doing the Saturn work that you need to do to really, uh, you know, work within the limitations that you've been given? What's going on in the Neptune ruled area of your chart? Uh, what are you, are you be able to separate the illusion from the fantasy? Are you able to, uh, dissolve the things in, in your life that need to be dissolved and that need to go? Um, are you able to have faith in the process, even if you don't have complete control over it? Neptune is associated, I think, with, with faith as well and, and uh, having altered states of consciousness. How is How are you in the accepting part of your life? How are you able to accept some of the things that may be out of your control. And then in the Pluto ruled area of your chart, which is also the Saturn ruled area, are you doing the depth work necessary to create a rebirth? Are you doing the depth work necessary to become the Phoenix? Uh, are you setting yourself up for um, whatever wants to be born out of the ashes that are happening in the Capricorn world? ruled area of your chart because when we have you know all this stuff going on in Capricorn eventually there's there's a rebirth I mean all of the hierarchical structures of our lives are going through this kind of metamorphosis going through this cocooning and this dissolving phase and this rebirth phase um, lots of things are being thrown away we're, we're learning what needs to stay and what needs to go Friday is an awesome day for getting in touch with that and revisiting some of these things 
It's also going to be touching on that retrograde Mercury at 25 degrees at the, you know, at the end of the day. Um, so there may be some sort of things that, some documents that need to be revisited. Uh, you may have to just make sure that you read, reread everything and things like that. Uh, and there may be something that comes up that you maybe you catch an error or something that ends up being beneficial since it is a moon sextiling Mercury, which is the nature of Venus. So it may be something positive that you catch in that retrograde cycle. So that's our Friday. As we move into the weekend, let's take a look at this here. The first aspect that we're gonna be seeing moving into Saturday is the moon sextiling with Venus. And that happens at about 28 degrees or so. Okay, there we go. There's a moon. I'm just clicking forward here. Yeah, about there's a sextile happening with Venus. And there's sect mates, the moon and Venus. So they're playing on the same political team and they're having a, a nice harmonious conversation that's of the nature of Venus with the sextile. Right? And this seems to be a, a, a fairly, to me, this looks like a somewhat of a, a relaxing social day. There's not a lot of aspects happening. But we do have the moon starting to move after the sextile. The moon is going to move into the sign of Gemini. So the only thing about that is that the, my only concern with that uh, is that the, the moon is going to be losing dignity. Right? It's, it's losing its exaltation in Taurus and losing its triplicity rulership at night. And it's moving into the domicile of Mercury. Uh, and it's going to be in what's called aversion to its host. Okay, so that, what does that mean? That basically means that there is an aspectual, generally there's an aspectual relationship between a planet and whatever planet is ruling the sign that it's in or hosting the sign that it's in. So as the moon moves into Gemini, it is being hosted by Mercury. Now, what's the problem with Mercury, you might ask? Two things. Mercury right now is retrograde, so it's not at its, at its best. It's not the easiest for it to bring its significations into the world of form. Also, the moon is one sign away from Cancer, so it is not able to see, aspect means to see, its host. So it's kind of like Mercury uh, does not isn't aware that the moon is staying in its temple and not able to provide uh, instructions to, to be able to gain the resources that it needs. So this may result in some miscommunications. Um, there may be some difficulty, you know, having the right type of conversation that you might want to have. Now, the good thing about this, the best uh, thing I can tell you is that the moon will be coming into a sextile with the sun um, at about 10, 16 or so a.m. So you can see that about four degrees of uh, Gemini and Leo, there is a sextile. So this isn't really a super bad thing here. This is just you know, some kind of nice passing aspect where there may be uh, a little bit of an easier time, um, regardless of the, the, abil the ability of Mercury to provide for the host. Um, so that's the beginning of our Saturday. The other important thing that's happening um, on Saturday is Venus is going to be changing signs. 
And that is called the, the vocabulary word of the day, but that is called an ingress. Ingress. I N G R E S S. So we have Venus's ingress into the sign of Leo. Okay, that happens in the evening. So here we see uh, Venus moving through her last degrees of Cancer, which uh, may be difficult. There may be some challenges with that too, with, with relationships. Anytime a, a planet is in the very last degrees of a sign, um, or the anoretic degree, we call it here. And I, the theory with this is um, each, each sign has what's called different bounds or bound rulers. And that's a five-fold division of a sign where there are different planetary hosts for each bound. And the theory that, that we're kicking around in our nightlight astrology class with Adam Ellenbos is that the bounds are of the nature of Saturn. So these are kind of the rule makers that, that talk about the limitations that this planet may be living under. And most of these signs here, the end of the bounds, are ruled by malefics, either Mars or Saturn. So we're seeing Venus here. Uh, if we look at our sheets, okay, we have Venus ruling, going, moving through the bounds or the terms of Saturn uh, at, the, at the very end of its degrees, right? So if you see what I've got here, that Venus is going through the bounds of Saturn. So that's why the end of end of the signs can be difficult. They can feel like we're running up against a brick wall or something like that because we're within the the, the Hellenistic or the um, the traditional bounds of Saturn. So once Venus escapes the end of a sign like that or the end of Cancer, we're going to be moving into a whole different kind of condition, uh, which is much nicer. And let's take a look at that. Okay. So the first six degrees of Leo are the bounds of the sun. I'm sorry, no, the bounds of Jupiter. I, I was confusing my notes here. The bounds of Jupiter, even better. Because <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't believe that the bounds are ruled by either of the lights. So I just want to make that clear. I don't, the sun and the moon are not bound rulers. Um, I got corrected by this at UAC. Uh, by a, a, a very knowledgeable astrologer too, so that, that sticks in my brain here. I just misspoke. Um, so we're get, being in the bounds of Jupiter. It's much more supportive. It's like the 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 ruler or the the person who's making the rules is a little bit more lenient and wants the best for that planet. And instead of the 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 no or the constructive no, we're getting a yes. So as Venus moves into, let's make a some thunder in the background here, some rumbly thunder. Okay, you can see that around 9.54 p.m., Venus okay, moves into Leo. So now Venus is sitting at the table with its host, the sun. It has access to its resources. It's within the bounds of Jupiter. Okay, from zero to six degrees is the bounds of Jupiter, which the sun is also in. And happy day. I, I, that is actually, I think, a, a very nice shift. Um, 
when we're going to have both Venus and the sun in the balance of Jupiter, Jupiter is in its own domicile. Wow. It, I think the mood's going to really lighten. If we had any difficulties on uh, earlier in the day and sat in, on Saturday, uh, it's probably going to be party time excellent at the end of the day, to quote Bill and Ted. Um, the only problem with that is it loses triplicity dignity, so it may not have the wind in its sails, but I'm going to say that it probably is gaining some uh, some some good good fortune from being at the in the temple at the table with its host, the sun. It's probably a more externalized Venus. This Venus is very expressive. You know, it's going to be in the decan of this five of wands here in the spotlight. So it may be harmonizing your ability to express yourself. It may increase desire to be seen, uh, Venus being desire. Uh, it may bring a little bit more of a, a expressive quality to any rituals that you may be doing. Uh, remember, Venus was also associated with ritual and religious observance. So there may be more of a, a visibility associated with, with the, the rituals that you're performing or how you, you pay tribute to whatever deity or, or, or whatnot. Um, and then it may also soften the way that you exert your authority. If we think about the planet acting through the birth channel and whatever planet is the ruler or the host of that sign or that birth channel offering its significations to the planet within it. So here's how we follow this. Right now, Leo is ruled by the sun and it is offering solar significations of authority, commanding, shining your light, the light of the intellect, up to Venus for Venus to act upon it. So Venus likes to harmonize. Venus likes to soften. Venus likes to beautify. So what we're going to see, hopefully, is Venus start to soften up the way that we're exerting our authority, the way that we're commanding, issuing commands and things like that. Because right now we've had Mars go present with uh, the sun, which is very like, I want what I want. You're going to do what I want right now. Damn it. Okay. And with that Venus quality coming in, that's probably a nice balance, uh, counterbalance to that martial energy that has been present with the sun. So if you've been having trouble with some of the authority figures in your chart and they've been maybe oppressive or anything like that, or just really like laying down the hammer, um, Venus is coming to help out. Uh, pretty soon here on Saturday, the 27th. All right. Makes sense. We're starting to see some kind of interesting, um, I don't know, fluency, I think, with the, with the language. Hopefully, if you're a regular follower of this, that you're starting to be able to speak the language and, and, and see how these things are working in your life. Make sure that you're testing them out, okay? As we move towards uh, Sunday, the 28th, we've still got that moon in Gemini. We are moving from the last quarter phase into a balsamic phase. So in the beginning of the day, first of all, before we move into the balsamic phase, we have an opposition happening from the moon in Gemini to Jupiter in Sagittarius. That happens around 5 a.m. Uh, in Eastern, on the East Coast, Eastern Standard Time. I don't know, if I keep saying Eastern Standard Time, but I'm not sure are we in Eastern Daylight Time? I don't know how that works. 
Eastern time. I'm pretty sure it's GMT minus five or minus four, depending on which number it is. You get the idea. And I think that one of the things that we're going to be asked, the questions we might be asking ourselves if we're up that early uh, or, or leading up to this in the evening before that are questions of scale. I think whenever we have something uh, Mercury ruled and Jupiter ruled, we are looking at the small things, the tiny things. Mercury likes to divide things up, separate things. Jupiter likes to bring them together. Mercury likes things tiny. Jupiter likes things big. So there is this kind of question that we may be saying, well, how do we, uh, what is big, big enough? What, how do we take care of the details? Uh, how do the multiplicity of ideas fit within the grander vision? Um, and that's something that you might want to, to ask yourself. Um, the harmonizing aspect of Jupiter versus the contesting aspect of, of Mercury, sorry. If we think about our cosmic courtroom metaphor here, we've got Jupiter the judge and Mercury is the lawyer who is contesting and giving the arguments for one side or the other, where the judge is trying to make uh, a decision based on all of those different contrasting arguments. So you may have to have a conversation or you may have to have an internal thought process where you're trying to balance out all the different um, disparate ideas that are coming up see how they are working within the unified uh, vision that you're trying to do with uh, Jupiter. Now, oppositions are of the nature of Saturn, so you may have to let go of some of the ideas. The, you may have a lot of ideas with the Gemini moon, but you may have to weed through them and say, you know what, this isn't working. We need to get rid of this so that because it doesn't fit within the bigger picture. Okay, The last decan of Gemini um, now, this is happening within the second decade of Gemini, which is associated with the uh, Nine of Swords, which if you remember, that is the card of someone laying awake at night, like having a nightmare with their head in their hands. Um, the second decade of, of Sagittarius associated with someone carrying a large bundle of sticks and carrying a large burden. So this very early morning hours, you may be just having some anxiety about all the different things you have to keep straight. Okay. And as the moon moves forward out of that decan and into the third decan, something's got to go. This is the, the, the Ten of Swords where the, the figure was lying dead on the ground and we had to make a choice. We had to eliminate one of the twins so that the other would live. Remember that story? Uh, one twin uh, died and the other gave up part of its immortality so that the other twin could live. So we have to figure out what stays and what goes through, through Sunday here and the beginning of Sunday. All right, as we, as we get past that opposition, we are going to see uh, the moon move into its balsamic phase, okay? So the balsamic phase, let me clear up the drawings here. The balsamic phase begins at about 6 a.m., okay? And that is where we see the moon being about 45 degrees behind the sun. Okay, there we go, 45 to zero degrees behind the sun. And just to, to parse that out, we've got 15 degrees of Gemini or left, 30 degrees, 30 degrees, actually it happened before that, as I'm thinking about it, right? Because we have 15 plus 30 is 45. 
So this may actually happen a little bit after this. Hmm. Let me think about that. Nope. Uh, let's look for a second. See, this is why Mercury. Mercury's trying to get me again. Thanks, Mercury. Yeah. This would happen out here, wouldn't it? 10, 30, 40, 40. There it is. Yeah. So I just said the time a little bit wrong on that. It's not at 6 a.m. It's going to be about 2. 2.30 in the afternoon or so as the balsamic phase is going to start. And let's let's just look at that again. So we've got 10 degrees left of Gemini. We've got 30 degrees here of Cancer. And then 5 degrees of Leo. And that gives us our 45 degrees. So 10 here, 30, and then 5 equals our 45 degree arc of distance, which is associated with the balsamic moon, the balsa, the balsamic. And the balsamic moon uh, is a time to, to distill everything that you've learned, to consolidate, to be able to let go of things and consolidate everything into the seed to be planted for the next cycle. This is when the seed is underground, it's gestating, the moon becomes dark, every, there's darkness. Um, the, the moon is at its weakest point. It's incubating uh, in the dark soil to be ready to be born. This is the legacy that is being passed on. This is, you've learned all sorts of things. You've evaluated what you learned during the last quarter. And now you're thinking about, okay, this is the knowledge that I'm gonna use moving forward uh, in the new moon cycle. Uh, you may feel a little bit out of sync. Uh, Dimitri George described this as feeling out of sync with the masses or with the populace um, because we're preparing for that rebirth. Uh, you may feel some distance. So it's not really a time to initiate new things. This is a time for getting rid of stuff really getting in touch with that, that internal part of yourself is not an initiating phase. Um, as we move through the day, the moon's going to be making a sextile with Mars. Okay, that's our, uh, we saw this already here, sorry. Okay, there we go, there it is. 16 degrees, sextile with Mars. Uh, and then it's going to be making a square with Neptune at 11.25 a.m. at 18 degrees. So this may be something where you are discussing discussing the dream. You, you have learned things from this eclipse cycle. Right? We're really kind of coming to terms with what happened during the eclipse. That was really the beginning of this moon phase was, was on July 2nd, uh, the new moon solar eclipse. We've gone through all these oppositions with Cancer and Capricorn where we've had seen all these planets move into Leo, uh, where we've started to figure out what our identity is and what maybe what we want moving forward and our desire and our ability to shine our light. And as the moon makes it square with Neptune, we just have to get in touch with uh, whether we're being too idealistic. We may need to have a conversation discussing the dream. How, what do we want to manifest next? What do, how, does, how do we want the vision to look? Are we being realistic? Are we... Uh, including others in the process. How does, every, how does this fit in with the greater vision of either our family, of our community, of uh, our job, that we, the people that we work with, with our society? And what do we want our, our legacy to be from this eclipse cycle? Because we're really gonna be dealing with this eclipse cycle for the next six months. Um, and also there's a greater eclipse cycle of 18 to 19 years. So they're, they're kind of a big deal. And 
how do we want to navigate all that? What is it that you want to, to manifest moving forward? Or without just thinking about it as manifestation, how do you want to navigate those, those planetary conversations that may be acting upon you? How are you, how are you becoming receptive and dealing with those events that are being born and are coming into being? And how are you going to react to those things more gracefully? Because it's not always, I, I don't, I don't completely resonate with the, with the um, new moon kind of thought process of, oh, it's time for you to do all these new things. Yes, there is part of that, but sometimes events are just being initiated without any help from you. And it may be like, like my teacher Adam says, it may be the time that the karma is becoming ripe. So the question may not be, how do you get new things or how do you manifest? It may be, how do you deal with what is being born in your life through either no fault of your own? Through it, it's, it's, I think it is somewhat narcissistic to think that we are you know, always in control of everything all the time. I, I just don't, I don't think that's the case. I, I can see an argument for co-creating with the divine, um, but I want to emphasize the, the co-creation and being able to be receptive and reactive as well as initiating things. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay, soapbox over. <laughs> as we look ahead uh, to next week, uh, just some, a few things to keep in mind. On the 31st, we have a, a, a new moon in Leo and also Mercury stations direct. Um, the day after that, Mercury is gonna be escaping the beams and we're going to see Mercury having a heliacal morning rise, which is a, a very important kind of uh, reveal, okay? So if you're going through all the Mercury-ruled stuff now, and you're getting frustrated with that, and if there's some retrograded things that you're dealing with, just be patient for a little bit longer, and you're probably going to see some progress in the revelation of, of, of the, 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 uh, the fruits of that labor come, come to bear around the beginning of August, because Mercury is gonna be escaping the beams of the sun. It's gonna be gaining a lot of uh, visibility, which is always good, uh, according to the tradition. And we're going to be, you know, it's gonna be rising from the sick bed, so to speak, and, you know, becoming much more empowered, you know, much more empowered Mercury after this week. So that is something that I will leave you with looking ahead. So thank you very much for, for your attention, for listening. I hope that you have a great, uh, Leo, Leonine inspired week ahead, and that all of your dreams are starting to come true, or at least you are able to navigate your life with a little bit more grace and a little bit more dignity. So I will talk to you soon, everybody. Take care.